twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And Anthony Roque is out today. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll interview Keith Chafin from ICOM and discuss the new ICOM IP501H SIM card LTE two-way radio. We'll talk about its features and capabilities and cover some frequently asked questions about the LTE 4G and 3G wide area network it uses called LTE Connect. We'll also share our experiences using weather radios during Hurricane Florence, read some of your comments about our discussion in a previous episode about the FCC citation of the Balfong UB5RV2+, and take some of your comments and questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. BuyTwoWayRadios.com, your radio specialist. In our last episode of the Two-Way Radio Show, we announced a new IP-based radio from ICOM called the IP501H that offers instant full-duplex communication. Well, it's here, and this could be a real game-changer. Yeah, I know on our last episode, we thought we were just going to introduce this radio, but uh, ended up talking about it for quite a while. And uh, we plan on doing this whole episode about it, and then our sales rep, Keith Chafin from ICOM, had to stop by our office one day, and we pulled him in and said, hey, why don't you why don't you do an interview with us on this, this, uh, this radio? So we kind of tossed a script out and decided that you guys would rather hear from Keith about this radio than us. Yeah, and Probably makes sense, right? Yeah, and I rather enjoy the interview. He, he gave us uh, a lot of insight into this new radio. I uh, learned quite a few things. Oh, Keith is full of product knowledge. He's a great person to talk to about products like this. He seems to know everything from top to bottom. He's a, the guy that over the last few years we can go to with, with any question. He just seems to know right off the top of his head. It's, it's amazing. And there's a lot to know about this radio, um, so it's a good thing that he was here and we had an opportunity to to talk with him. Um, so we did this interview, and we're going to share it with you right now. And we're speaking with Keith Chafin, Channel Manager for ICOM America. Keith, thank you for joining us again on the Two-Way Radio Show. It was episode... Uh, 110 when we had you on last and we were talking about the history of ICOM. I think everybody knows the history now. So we're going to talk about moving forward and talk about what ICOM's doing now. Great. Uh, thank you for having me back. Yeah, Keith, thanks for coming in. Specifically, I want to talk about the, the new IP501H. In our, in our last episode, um, we were kind of introducing this, uh, that radio and um, you know, I thought I would talk about it for a minute or two. I think I ended up going on for about 10 minutes about uh, that radio. Mm-hmm. And we promised we would, on our next episode, talk more about it. And we decided to bring Keith in since he was available. Really appreciate you being here with us. Great. Thanks again. Um, to start with, 
This is a LTE radio. Tell us what is an LTE radio. What separates an LTE radio from a regular radio? Well, I think it really what we're getting down to is when we start talking about LTE, we're talking about a backbone to transmit a signal. At the end of the day, this is a digital device that's using whatever a digital format, a backbone to create a wider coverage footprint. And at this point, we chose to use the, the LTE, the, the old 3G technologies where it's still in place, just to create a, a large wide area coverage network. And that was the easiest way to get that contributed. So at this point, the LTE Connect system is looking at giving you North American coverage. And we can do that through our partners in the US all the way up into Canada and Mexico. So this is the same type of network that a cell phone would probably use. Essentially, it is a cellular, it's, it's, we're utilizing a cellular network, but we're utilizing a data pipe within that cellular network. So ICOM is partnered with cellular companies. So it, most of the time, if you can get a signal on your cell phone, you're going to have a signal with the IP501H. Is that that's correct. Accurate. That's correct. And depending on the carriers we're working with, we're, we're working with multiple partners right now. We ha we're partnered with AT&T, TELUS, and Rogers throughout the North American footprint right now and are, and are open to working with others as we go forward. But yes, it, it, what you're used to in that traditional type of cellular type environment, yes, that you'll see that coverage footprint. Uh, actually, to the point as our initial testing is showing the way the, the two-way radio device is designed with its antennas, it's outperforming a traditional cell phone. Wow, that's great. As we're calling it an LTE radio, that's not exactly accurate. This will also work on a 3G network. Is that right? That's correct. It, it's a LTE or or 3G. As we're seeing most of the 3G migrate away, it's you know it's we're ready for the long-term evolution of the, the latest generation. So, mm -hmm. what type of customer do you see using this radio? This customer is really this is really aimed at that customer it needs more than a single site coverage. You know, because you know, the traditional radio, wide area coverage user, he, he may be working off of one or two type of repeaters in a localized area. Mm -hmm. And that's always meant the need. Uh, but this is that customer that's really looking for working a large region, multiple states nationwide. Uh, a good example, some of our initial feedback on this already is we got construction crews that work large projects all over the nation. And this is really great. They can roam in and still talk back to corporate or, or vice versa. Another big industry that's really fascinated that we're getting a lot of industry out of this is the transportation industry. You know, with the new rules coming down from the federal DOT and the state DOT offices of what constitutes a device that can be used in a, in a commercial vehicle right now, this meets it with that true push-to-talk technology. Again, this is not a push-to-talk over cellular platform. This is a true two-way radio device that's just using a cellular backbone to create passes data. This is a real bona fide radio. It's a simple fide, it's instant communications. I mean, that's what this is. You're not dialing a number. You're getting push to talk, instant communications. Um, let's get into some of the specifics um, on that note on the uh, 501 uh, or the IP501H. Um, full duplex is on my list here. That, that seems like an important feature that a lot of customers could take advantage of. It really is. You know, traditional two way, it's always been. Push to talk, right? Let off the listen, right? Mm -hmm. So you couldn't hear if anybody was trying to talk while you're talking. Um, this is just like being on the telephone now. You can hear if somebody's trying to ask a question or maybe has something important to say, and you know it, it can allows interruption. You know that also allows us a lot of different levels of emergency interruption. So if you get into a transmission and everything, we can actually do emergency interrupts based on priority levels of the way the, the equipment's set up. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fantastic. Um, a question I think 
a lot of customers are going to have is compatibility with existing radios. Is that something that uh, is available at all, or do you have to have an entire fleet of these IP501Hs? This device, if you're wanting the, to use the the LTE Connect platform and, uh -huh. and that backbone, is going to require this device. Uh, so as you roam and go forth. Now, if you want to interface it into some existing localized radio systems, mm -hmm. we do have ways to interface it in. You so. guys have a, a product called a VEPG3, right, which I can connect an IP501H to, and then the IP501Hs can talk to my on-site radios. That's correct. That correct? And, and as long as that on-site radio doesn't need to roam out of that area, mm -hmm. then we can allow them just to talk and, and create uh, multiple fleets together. So if I have, for example, a business and I have uh, three or four sales guys that travel around and I have a network of radios at my warehouse, I could connect those two, theoretically. That's the correct. technology is available for that. Uh, I see uh, recording is on the, the spec sheet here. Is that that's an option on the IP501? The, the 501 actually has got a voice recording capability, so it can record um, missed calls. And, and a good way to do that, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a programming feature, so we can set it up to where it only sets up and records individual calls. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was trying to reach uh, you on an individual basis, it would record and you would know you had a message. Or it will actually record incoming messages. It's just got a certain limit of a buffer and you know what do you want it to do. So it's mm -hmm. really more custom tailored, I would think, more to the individual call. Right. So. Um, are a lot of the digital features of this, I mean, it's digital communication, I assume. Uh, a lot of the features that we would see on a typical digital radio, are they available on the IP501? For example, direct calling or one-to-one -one, um, calling from one person to another outside of a talk group. Exactly. This is, this is a full-featured digital two-way radio system is what it is. We're just, like I said, just use, utilizing a backbone that gives us the wide area coverage to create those tower sites that we have to build built in a two-way radio system. So we've got individual call, we've got group call, we've got all call. Uh, we've got all the emergency features, get down to the point of emergency lone worker, all the way down to the features that a traditional two-way radio user is used to on a higher level system is all available here. What about security? Can my conversations be overheard on this radio? Is it easy? Can someone with a scanner pick up um, what I'm saying on these radios like a traditional analog radio? No. This is, this is bits. It's all it is. This is a ones and zeros. It's ones and zeros. The only way somebody's going to get in this, they'd have to get into the system. And that's something we have gone above and beyond all the other products on the market at this point to make sure we're secure of. We have actually gone through and been certified mm -hmm. by the cellular industry mm -hmm. for their certification of products. Uh, we are having our servers hosted in what is referred to as a net bonded secure environment. Um, and then once that point, we don't run over the, a lot of products that have come into the market has been similar to that. They've been more like a uh, push to talk over cellular format, mm -hmm. or if they've been a push to talk radio, they're really running over the public side of the cellular network. We have our own dedicated data pipe. Uh, so it comes into our core, doesn't run through the cellular's core and control point and out over their public network. We're actually running into our core down our private data pipe. So that's adding additional layer of security to the system. So you have your own dedicated bandwidth. Does that mean that if, if the cellular towers are overran with traffic, you guys are gonna be okay? You, you, you'll be able to get signal through 
I think really gets down to the point, you know, the actual cellular, so basically when you look at the cellular systems, you've got a couple of components there. You've got what's referred to as the tower site and what they call is the radio access network. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to the core, the switch that does all the routing and sends the system through, through their system connect a call. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back out over the public side, okay. you know, the open side. Uh, what we do, we just use the radio access side, the tower site, the radio access, then it comes down to our core. So and at that point, as long as we can get into that radio access side, as long as that tower site exists, mm -hmm. you know, we can get to that point, then we can get to our core. Uh, if there's something wrong at tower sites out, then yes, we, we could lose coverage based on that. The great thing about the cellular industry, they build tower sites really close together, right? You know, because that's how the cellular format works. So that off, right. obviously that higher level of redundancy. Um, how about setup and configuration of these radios? Is it, is, would it be easier to go with something like an IP501H versus a repeater system? Would it be an easier option, for example? Oh, definitely. If you need, if you start talking about coverage, uh -huh. think about how many repeaters it's going to take to give you coverage. On top of that, do you want in-building? And so that takes a higher level of, of, of repeaters. In addition, you got to get licensed. You got to build those sites. You got to build those towers. You got to maintain all that equipment. This is an entry level. There's no licensing associated with this. It's simply a you purchase equipment and then there's a monthly airtime charge. So you receive your equipment and you're basically set up and good to go at that point. And it's, that's a fast process. You don't have to wait on licensing. You don't have to wait on towers. You don't have to wait on installation. I like it. It's, it's, it's about as easy as going in and picking up your cell phone like you're used to doing today. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all familiar with that format. I think that alone is going to make this product attractive. Uh, to a lot of businesses. A repeater takes time. A repeater takes some level of expertise. Mm -hmm. it, it takes dealing with multiple groups sometimes to get, get uh, those products installed. This is an out-of-the-box solution. It, it, it really is. It's, it provides a great solution. And again, it gets back to what do you need? You know, mm -hmm. why, why do you Because you know, a lot of people say, well, why don't I just give you a cellular phone? Well, you, you think about the issues, the liabilities of putting a cellular phone in, in an operator with a commercial vehicle. You know, this is a simple device to use, a single push to talk, instant communications. You know, to pick up a cellular phone nowadays, try to fumble through and dial a number. You know, it's, it's distracting. And that's why it's been outlawed by the, the federal uh, DOTs and so forth coming down on commercial vehicle operators. Also think about a, a cell phone device. You can load up with a lot of apps that uh, are inefficient, right? Uh, they're distractions for your employees and uh, create inefficiency right. in your productivity you know for the day so here's a device that has no none of that can be it's a simple two-way radio device it's what traditional two-way radio always offers you know a one-to-many instant communications a one-to-one -one instant communications it provides all that it just provides it on a bigger wider coverage area platform and if I may interject this is a new product for us here in the States, but this is a very well-established product in other countries. There are other countries that have been using this for a while, so it's not like you're jumping into some sort of experimental system. This is a pretty well-established um, format. Uh, yes, this actually, ICOM introduced this in the Japanese market uh, over three years ago and has got uh, uh, 30 to 40,000 users easily in just mm -hmm. the first couple of years. Uh, then it's been introduced as it's grown out into other countries. It's already in Europe, it's in Australia, uh, and in now North America. Um, I want to back up for a second and talk about this radio versus a cell phone. It, that's a good point that I didn't even really mm -hmm. consider. There's a lot of companies who are probably buying cell phones for their employees, and they're probably spending more than they would on an IP501H system, and 
you're right, that can lead to a lot of distraction. A cell phone has a lot of features that you probably don't want to give somebody that you're trying to encourage to do a job during the day and you know accomplish a task. It's, it's a lot more than they need in most cases. It really is. And it gets back to a cell phone is not an instant communication device. Right. This, it's, this it's is more trouble to do what they yeah. need and stay in contact with someone it, through it, a cell phone. Exactly. And that's what this is. And that's the reason you know people are going to look at it and say, hey it, it, hey, it doesn't have apps and all that. There's a purpose. We wanted it to be a very simple device to use to provide that instant communication. You know, this product is also IP67 waterproof, dustproof. It's military grade pretty much right and that's something you're not going to get off of a cell phone that that's out in the field if you're out I, I really wouldn't want to take my cell phone to a construction job site or something like that but I definitely would take something like this because it, I know I'm going chances are I'm going to be able to bring it back to the office in one piece <laughs> you know? that's that's a great point that this is a device that's going to take those drops it's going to take those abuses you know that's out there that the traditional cell phone wasn't really designed to do yeah, you buy your employees an iPhone, it's not going to hold up like something no, like this. And it's going to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, and we've Good tried point. to make it as compact in size as, as you know, mm-hmm. we could. And, 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 and with the way it's designed and technology, even to enhance it with an external antenna, we're outperforming what a traditional cell phone performs. Keith, talk about using this radio in a vehicle. Um, with the nationwide coverage, it seems like that's going to be a big use case for this product. Um, and I see ICOM has several accessories that sort of optimize the IP501H use in a vehicle. Talk about some of those options. Yes, and because we actually see this as being one of the big markets for this is transportation mm-hmm. uh, fleet managers. Yes, we've developed actually a car kit, and, and, and we've set it up to where it can be removable. It actually could be permanently mounted, uh, just uh, tying it down. But, but we've created a kit where you've tied in all the components that are necessary with a uh, push-talk mic, a louder speaker if you're in a higher noise environment like a truck or something. But also, the, we've actually got a drop-in charger that will actually charge the radio while it's in there. But in addition, it's got Bluetooth capability built into it, so you don't ever have to take the radio off your belt. You can actually, literally, it'll be Bluetooth connected into that and just giving you a, a microphone hanging on the dash with a louder speaker. Yeah, that's nice. So essentially, you end up with uh, what functions like a mobile radio, but perhaps with Bluetooth capability and, and some sort of bonus. What yeah. about GPS? Uh, GPS is built in. Bluetooth is built in. Uh, we're working with several uh, third-party uh, mapping companies right now to provide mapping solutions in the future. Um, how about safety features on this radio? We've actually built into the traditional two-way, especially when you get into the higher-end digital two-way radio systems, you've had a lot of feature sets that have been available, such as emergency. Uh, if you get, get a lone worker out, uh, lone worker controls, which can be based on man down uh, or man in mobile. And this has got those type of controls built into it. Uh, it's got radio check, you know, so you got ways that you can go in and, and, and check the radio. So yes, it's got that full list of, of safety features out there, uh, especially with, you know, to me, emergency being one of those key single button push, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it notifies that that particular radio has got an issue going on. Well, that sounds great, Keith. We're, we're very excited about this product. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to add? No, I think we really kind of got into it. Uh, like I said, we're very excited about this. We're excited about working with uh, Buy Two Way Radio on this, and uh, I know that uh, 
the futures out there. Uh, just want people to understand it's a, it's a dedicated product. We built it with a high level of security to protect people's information. Sounds great. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you. Thank you for being on the show again, Keith. You can take a look at the IP501H at our website at www.buy2wayradios.com. Okay. Well, that was exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, I rather enjoyed the interview. And uh, as I said before, I, I learned quite a, a lot from his discussion. I think that he set it up and gave us a, a really good overview of the radio and got into some detail where we needed it. Um, I think that um, anybody that's somewhat interested in this type of radio, a nationwide um, LTE radio, uh, instant push to talk, can listen to that interview and get a great understanding of what the product is and um, can decide if, if, if they want to know more. And if you want to know more, contact our sales staff here at buy2wayradios.com and we'll be happy to help you out. Um, we've had interest in this radio already, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be um, a very popular model. I don't know that we can really add any more to, to what he said. Uh, he, he covered it pretty well. well. What I'd like to do, and it's on my list if we can ever get to it, is, is to maybe do a video showing the product and showing some of the features of the radio and maybe even getting into some of the programming and how uh, how to set up things mm -hmm. you can turn on. I think that would be the next logical step for us to do is to, you know, sort of a visual demonstration of the product to show you how easy it is and some of the capabilities. It's one thing to talk about it or to listen to Keith talk about it, but um, I think a, another segment of people would find it just as interesting to see us visually demonstrating the radio so we've got to put that on our list somewhere i i i agree i wholeheartedly agree the audio discussion um our audio description of this radio really doesn't do it justice you, you really need to see it up close and uh it's a really nice looking radio that's right that's right maybe, maybe we could send um, me to some like tropical location and <laughs> you know that has cell towers and the cell phone works and then you know you can be here recording the video and you can show look hey Danny's in um, I don't know Belize some, some, or somewhere yeah some great place <laughs> that everybody wants to be and uh, <laughs> well but let's let's plan on that <laughs> okay that's that's great as long as I can uh, come along with the camera uh, <laughs> I guess speaking of tropical locations and such, we, we were planning to bring you this episode last week until uh, Hurricane Florence rolled in and rolled right through the Carolinas, which is where we are. Yeah, put a little bit of a crimp on our plans here. Uh, yeah, so we're recording this right after uh, the week after the hurricane rolled through. Um, so I'm sorry for the delay there, but it does give us an opportunity to talk a little about preparedness and weather radios and things like that that you know we probably harp on this every year about this time but we do talk about it a lot we've we've done several episodes on it i've written a number of blog posts on preparedness and actually i wrote one uh just a few days before the the hurricane hit on uh you know getting a weather radio and being prepared and and uh sending uh, everyone to the ready.gov website to to get their checklist of, of for you know for emergency preparedness mm -hmm. and 
we did the same thing. We we did some preparations here. I know we all were doing preparations in our homes for this thing to hit, and this was a pretty monster storm. And I think one of the things that really prompted everybody to to just jump in and do this was because it was coming at us at a at a category four, and we really we were very very fortunate that at the last minute it dropped back down to a category two. Uh, when it actually hit the coast, so we really didn't get the prunt of what was to come. Yeah, we're probably and, what what a couple hundred miles inland. Yeah, in South Carolina here, and this storm just kind of parked itself right on the coast and churned for a couple of days. And, tons of rain, yeah. and, and we we got a total of seven because uh, I have a weather station at home. We had um, seven, over seven and a half inches of rain for the two days there, the 48-hour period, and it caused a lot of flooding in the area. Now, we're up on a little higher ground, so we didn't get the flooding that uh, some of the surrounding areas received. Um, but we were pretty much set. We had, you know, my wife made a lot of preparations a few days before the storm. She had uh, pre-cooked some food, packed some stuff away. She had, we had everything pretty much to go, so we were ready for this thing because we didn't know, you know, if we had a power outage and we were out of power for, for two or three days, we were pretty much ready for that. Now, we didn't have a generator. Uh, we, we thought to get one, but the, the prices somehow had gone up pretty high on generators, and they were, they were very scarce uh, around in our area. So we, we skipped on the generator and said, you know what, we had plenty of batteries, we had plenty of other backup power options, we can, we can deal with this mm-hmm. uh, for a few days. So, you know, we were ready to go. And uh, you were ready. I think you set up a generator. Yeah, actually I did. I was probably one of those that were uh, uh, hurting the supply-demand curve on the generators here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually um, purchased a generator before this storm. and. Uh, I was kind of late doing that too. I um, ended up just walking into Home Depot right as they were unloading the truck, and uh, there was a line forming for the generators as they were pulling them off. That's called being at the, the right the place at the right tw- time. Yeah, I completely lucked out, but um, I say that, but it turned out our power didn't go off at all. But um, but I did um, install a transfer switch in my house as well. Uh, for the generator so I can run several of uh, my breakers uh, right, right off the generator and run lights and um, oh, cool. our well and things like that uh, in the house uh, just by flipping a switch. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I guess with a well, if you'd lost power, you wouldn't have had yeah, our water. Yeah, our water goes yeah. out when, when we don't have power. That's the, the critical thing for us. But having the generator, it's kind of cool to um, – I mean, I could, in theory, run – you know, a couple rooms of lights, and I could have internet running because it's uh, mm-hmm. assuming it works. I live so far out; I only have DSL where I live. It's uh, the only thing available to me. So that, the good news about that is it runs through the phone lines, which are a little more pretty reliable. Robust. Yeah, yeah, pretty robust. You know, we uh, didn't lose power for any considerable length of time. We had a few brownouts, and I think we had some kind of a power surge over. Uh, overnight one night and uh it took out one of my small appliances but it it wasn't too bad but overall i think we fared a lot better than than a lot of other people did uh around us and on the coast especially i i feel pretty bad for 
a lot of people on the coast who got pretty you know got hit pretty hard yeah i agree it could have been um, a lot worse for us and uh we, we really lucked out i have several weather radios in the house as uh, most everyone uh knows and uh, we put them to good use and we, we were monitoring the situation with the hurricane constantly over the last uh, couple of days. And uh, our weather radio went off <laughs> mm-hmm. right, right when we kind of expected it to, and, and every time we did, and, and once or twice when we didn't. <laughs> but, the, but it was a good thing that we had them there because it kept us alert uh, to what was going on around us. That's funny. I actually upgraded to a Midland WR400 right before the storm as well. Mm-hmm. That, that's Midland's um, somewhat new um, desktop kind of uh, same yeah. supporting yeah. weather radio. Um, and same thing. It was uh, <laughs> get it. It was um, alerting several times over same, the weekend. Same. And, I, I got yeah, see what you got, got there. Same, did there. Yeah. Same being specific <laughs> area messaging coding that gives you alerts for your specific zip code essentially mm-hmm. um so that's a pretty cool weather radio i gotta say they they did some significant upgrades the display is very nice um they made it much easier to enter your location with the wr400 mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember with the uh, 300 and the 120 you had to get get online and basically find a special yeah. code for your county yeah that's what we we have a uh, wr120 yeah, the the 400 has a list built right in, so you can select your country. So you go USA and then South Carolina and then choose your county, and uh, you don't have to get online and find the codes. Yeah. Now, what I don't like, you do have to get online. They have the weather frequencies. Um, instead of the weather, you, you know, normally they'll have channel 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, whatever, for the, the NOAA channels. Now they list them by frequency, but it is hard to tell – and I don't know what Midland could do to fix this, but it's hard to tell what your local tower is. You just kind of have to, I guess, know what frequency is local to you. Because we we can pick up two at my house, and one is, you know, over in the Greenville Spartanburg area, right. which is not the one I want. I want the one here in our county. Um, so I had to get online and just figure out which frequency was was my local weather station. I guess I could have listened for a while, and eventually they say where they're where they're transmitting from you know it's good to to check online and have that list maybe print out the list also um and and the reason i say this because it it sort of gets into what i was going to say earlier um one of the things about the weather radio and you know we we had a few people buying weather weather radios um kind of at the last minute which i really don't recommend well it's better to have one just before the storm to not have one at all, but mm-hmm. I, I really recommend having one when the weather is nice. You know, go go out and get your weather radio now when the weather's good, uh, rather than wait until just before because you never know when they're going to be in stock. It's kind of like the generator thing. You know, right. you go out and get a generator. It's like, well, it's eleventh hour. I better get a generator, and then they, you can't find them anywhere. When you and, need and, a weather radio, it's going to be hard to find yeah, a weather radio. <laughs> yeah, so it's better to get one now. And you know, my wife also said the other day. Uh, and well, I picked up a battery backup as well, one of the Midland battery backups. And she looked at it and she said, "Wow, um, this would make a great gift. You have any more of these?" And I said, "Yeah, we, we've got more of these." She said, "I'd like to buy a couple to give to to my family members because it's a it's a great backup." And, and a lot of her family lives in Florida, mm-hmm. which 
is prone to getting hit by storms as well. You could say that. And uh, yeah, these kind of things, the weather radios, the, the little battery backups, things like that, they make great gifts. They really do. Uh, and it kind of shows that, well, you know, you, uh, they really care. <laughs> a, a couple of Christmases ago, uh, literally all of my relatives got WR300s for Christmas. <laughs> I've done that as well. Yeah, um, I've probably talked about that on the show the before. Holidays, yeah. But the weather radios, as good as they are, and as important as it is to have them, and it is pretty much number three on the list of, of, uh, of uh, emergency items to have at, at ready.gov, there are some, some uh, situations where even the radio won't help you out for certain things. Uh, we had a situation where, uh, here on the coast, we had four NOAA weather towers right on the coast, and they all got hit, and they got they were all taken out. So what do you do in a situation like that? You've got a weather radio, and the stations that you're relying on to give you that emergency uh, information uh, goes down or is taken out by the storm. Well, um, what you really want to do is have a list of other NOAA frequencies in the area, mm-hmm. you know, in, or just outside the area, and have them ready so that you can switch over to one of those. In other words, if you you lose your tower nearby, your closest one, well, you know what? Maybe maybe another one, another county away, may not give you the exact information that you need for your specific area, but it's going to cover. It's better than a, nothing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You still want to get that weather information because there's still there's going to be some overlap, and there's going they're going to give you some general information about the storm, so that you can uh, still make those decisions. So something like that is n- not a reason to say, ah, what's the use of me getting a weather radio or an emergency radio because it could take out the the NOAA station and then I'm still stuck. Well, no, not necessarily. There right. are plenty of them over. We can pick up NOAA stations from all over the state, especially with, with the antenna on um, these radios. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can get my local one without even putting the antenna up on the WR-400 if I put the antenna up or get by a window or just find the, the right place, mm-hmm. I can get uh, I can get several that are much further away. Um, it's probably not a bad idea to maybe write down the frequency and the location on a piece of paper and maybe tape it to the bottom of the weather radio just so you kind of know whatever the frequency is. Is like in our case, the, this one's in York County, this one's in Spartanburg, mm-hmm. this one's in Charlotte. Um, like you're right in case you need to go to a backup at some point it's good to know what of course i guess you could just cycle yeah. through the frequencies on the radio and and find one there's only you could. I think there are maybe seven, five or six frequencies. seven there's seven frequencies i believe yeah. but even so there is unless you're in a remote area a very remote area there's generally there's usually some overlap for those uh noaa broadcast stations right i'm sure they consider so, that when they when they're installing the system yeah yeah, so you should be good. So, you know, get a weather radio. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, and I can speak from personal experience. So can Danny. That uh, you really, you really should have one because you just never know. You really, you really never know. Yeah, they're they're very very nice if there's a hurricane coming. 
And I mean, they're really essential if you're in an area that gets tornadoes. You mm-hmm. you, you need something that'll wake you up in the middle of the night if you're um, if you're in an area that's prone to to getting hit by something like seconds that. Seconds count. Yeah, seconds exactly. count. And now we have we don't really have a real secure area like underground or something like if a tornado hit or something like that uh, for us to go to. We have uh, an inner room in the house, a small room that we can go into, and that's what we've done. We've um, that's our go-to spot. If if we do get a tornado alert, something like that happening, that's where we all meet. We go there, and I think that's a good thing to do. Is to to don't wait until you get in the don't wait until you get an alert. Uh, plan now and get your family together and say you know okay this is our designated area this is where we all go to in case a tornado hits uh and that's our that's our safe area so that you know everybody should find one and and figure out where they're going to go and where they're going to be because when you get that warning that tornado warning you don't necessarily have time to think about oh well, where am i going to hide where am i going to go you know uh you have to be ready well, so I think we've harped on weather enough in this episode. Maybe we should move on, and uh, if, if anyone's still listening, and uh, <laughs> find in the next topic. Yeah, I actually was a little little bit of a rant I was going to give. Uh, it, uh, I did notice that during the storm, we were watching this. That, and, and this is really not so much related to weather radios, but just being prepared in general. That um, a lot of people heeded the evacuation warnings off the coast. And they had emergency personnel standing by to deal with those who were stuck and couldn't get out or those who um, had to be there for one reason or another, like if they were, uh, you know, providing any other kind of emergency services, uh, that sort of thing. But there were some people that just decided, no, I'm going to sit here and write it out. And my wife and I talked about that a little bit. You know, that's kind of a selfish thing for, for someone to do simply because of the fact that if they if they don't need to be there and they're told to get out they should get out because what happens is that if they don't get out and they say well we we've got emergency people nearby that can rescue me if i get stuck well guess what you're actually using their resources that they might need for somebody who really is in a position where they're stuck that they might not be able to uh to to get to because they're busy rescuing you you know there are only so many resources or there are limited resources and and we saw time and time again over over the weekend where there were people that would get themselves in a situation that they were told not to get into and they went and did it anyway and then had to be rescued and you know, I, I saw on the news that there's some, I don't know if it's a state thing or a, a city or county thing, but there's some places that uh, have fines imposed. If you, mm-hmm. like, take your car around a road close sign to go through a puddle and then you get stuck, yeah. um, <laughs> they're going to charge you to come get you out and rescue you. <laughs> but I, 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 I think it's pretty selfish because, yeah. you know, it, it really diverts those resources rescuing you from somebody who – who might be in a dire emergency that they can't get to because well, they're busy rescuing you. Some you first know? responder to have to put their lives in danger because yeah, you, exactly. you chose not to follow instructions. Precisely. Yeah. Well, that's the end of my rant, but it's just something I, I, 
I just <laughs> want to say because I we saw that time and time again over the weekend. Uh, anyway, so um, anything else on the the list for this week? Actually, yes, we do. Uh, we've got some comments. So, you know, in, in episode 126, we talked about the FCC citation um, against the Baofeng UV5RV2+. It was actually against one of the, the uh, distributors that, were, that was distributing the radio. And uh, we covered that. We won't go into it in this episode because uh, you can go back and listen to it in episode 126. But we asked for your comments, and uh, we, we got some. We got some, and I wanted to know what you thought about it. Uh, I'm going to read some of those now. Yeah, I thought that was actually a, an interesting discussion, and uh, I'm curious to see what the, the next move is there. Okay. I don't know if this is 100% related, but um, this one comes from Dave. He said, Hi, guys. Yes, Danny, I enjoyed the show. The two-way radio show, a.k.a. The Speculators. I'm sure Anthony will wish he was in on this one. See you at the next Hamfest, perhaps Shelby, and that was from Dave. And, well, uh, Dave, thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback. It's, uh, it's nice to know that uh, people enjoy enjoy it sometimes. They enjoy our speculation. Yes, the, the speculators. Nice. Um, this was this was from Brickalore. He said, "Got to listen last night. Good discussion on the FCC citation and the multi-service radios were any tone eight R series because we were." Uh, yeah, that's the, the radio that, that uh, supports multiple services like the GMRS and MERS, and mm-hmm. it has. Uh, if I I've never used the radio, but I believe it's, it's some kind of to, to follow the rules. You have to hold a key down while you turn it on to right. go into one mode versus another. Uh, thanks for thanks for providing that. Yeah, he said they were the AnyTone 8R series. Uh, we've uh, uh, we appreciate the clarification there, and um, Bob says, uh, thanks for the useful discussion of the Balfung Radio and the FCC. I see this as a great example of how the FCC really isn't paying attention to their own rules combined with some manufacturers that are not always understanding or being careful with meeting FCC rules. It's kind of like dumb and dumber. And he included a link. He said this may be the source of the original complaint to the FCC. He included a, included a link to the uh, letter written by the uh, uh, LMCC, which is the, uh, I did see that we, comment, and yeah, I don't the, believe Land Mobile Communications Council. Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that comment, and um, the letter from the Land Mobile Communications Council is actually not the start of this. This came from a complaint that initially started in 2013. 2013, yeah. Um, so it's been in the works for a long time, I guess. And the Land Mobile yeah. Communications Council did file a letter complaining about some of these import radios, which is also a very interesting read. Yeah, they filed it back in February of this year. Yeah. But it just um, brings home the fact that that uh, they're starting to pay more attention to this sort of thing. Well, uh, we assume the FCC is paying more attention. They're actually getting complaints. Mm-hmm. So we know they've responded to one. I mean, I don't think the Land Mobile Communication Council's letter shows that they're responding to anything yet but maybe that'll happen no but but they i'm pretty sure that they um they have a lot of clout there with the fcc i mean that's i think that group represents several of the big manufacturers but i haven't seen a response to this letter yet yeah neither have i come to think of it but 
I, I guess you could say that uh, an action could be considered a response. Um, an action could definitely be considered a response, yeah. but have we seen an action in response to this letter? This Baofeng action goes back prior to this letter, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. So maybe, so. Um, well, the Baofeng complaint came in 2013. Maybe by 2022 we'll see something. <laughs> from this <laughs> this new letter, I don't know, but I don't think I want to Stay wait tuned. around for that before I before I say, hey, you know, maybe we should should kind of uh, watch our step with uh, these Balfongs, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that uh, we're certainly taking note. We're, yeah, yeah. I, I'm taking cues, like I said in the last episode, from uh, the response from the FCC, even though I it wasn't clear to us previous to this where they were drawing lines, um, I see some lines coming out of this and we're taking action to only carry products that um, are within those boundaries and I hope our competitors will follow suit. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Stacy says, I think the terms you guys are looking for in your discussion about the UV5R and other such radios is channelized always required under Part 90 rules versus frequency agile, front panel programmable radios allowed under ham radio rules, not allowed under Part 90 rules. Business radios can be CTCSS or uh, DPL agile, but the transmit frequencies must be programmed by a licensed technician and then locked in by firmware or hardware, a jumper on the circuit board, for example, and inaccessible to the operator. And that's from Stacy. See, that so, is really good information. I hadn't heard yeah. of those terms before, and uh, sounds like Stacy really knows what they're talking about. Um, I know that based on the FCC's response, it seemed clear that one of the complaints that they had was that there was front panel programmability. So mm -hmm. uh, what's the term for that? Frequency agile, yeah. I guess, would be front. what I'm calling front panel programmable. That's my term, not, not a professional term. Frequency agile. And channelized would be where a dealer programs the radio and then sends it out and it has to have perhaps be connected to a computer or something to be programmed. Hmm. Thank you, Stacy. Yeah, Good we, info. We, we appreciate that. Stacy gets a t-shirt. Yeah, he does. Actually, I think everybody here who, who responded will get a t-shirt and I actually upped the ante a bit offline and said, hey, we're going to send you guys uh, a swag bag of free stuff along with the t-shirt. I think I think it's worth it. Boom. All right. Yeah. Uh, we have one more here from Randy, who will also get a free t-shirt. Um, he says, they are going after the retailer, not the manufacturer, since the retailers in the U.S., the manufacturers in China, way out of the FCC reach. And that's from Randy. That is an excellent point, Randy. I know that we had discussed maybe why the retailers would be responsible for making sure the radios were compliant. Mm -hmm. And um, my point was if they've got a Part 90 type acceptance that they've been essentially certified by the FCC, previously as a retailer, I looked at that certification as meaning well, the FCC has looked at this radio and says it meets their rules, but apparently that's that cannot be um, taken into consideration. And, and Randy is right. It probably 
would go directly to the manufacturer about that if it was a domestic manufacturer. And in the case of a Chinese manufacturer, they, the retailer or distributor is probably the only... Next in line here. <laughs> the next in line, exactly. Yeah, and really, I mean, the FCC has a limited reach. They're going to go after who they can. Right. And I think it, it sort of it makes things more difficult for us as a retailer because you know, we're not previously we haven't been in the business of testing radios and making sure they meet all the FCC requirements. Well, we didn't think it was necessary since the assumption, and we covered this in the last episode. The assumption was that well, the manuf- that's the manufacturer's responsibility. You would assume that once the manufacturer slaps or you would assume that once the manufacturer receives an FCC ID and slaps it onto the radio, that uh, that everything is is well and good, and and you know why do we need to to question that? But apparently, at least with the uh, Chinese manufacturers, we do. Yes, because we ju- we just don't. You never know where that FCC ID came from, or if it's actually even legit. That's right. You know, uh, even even if you check the FCC's website. <laughs> right. Well, apparently. yeah, you can find out if the FCC ID is legit, but I guess maybe it was maybe issued in error. Illegitimately. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's confusing. Yes, it is very confusing to go to the FCC's website, punch in an FCC ID and say, oh, well, they approved it. And then the FCC comes back and says, no, nah, this, this isn't, yeah, it, it, it yeah, but I can see it's approved. Well, no, it's it's not approved. No. So, what do you do? It's, it's approved, but it doesn't meet our specifications, which is apparently not what the FCC ID means. <laughs> well, before which our heads our explode, <laughs> before our heads explode over that, um, I I want to say that uh, uh, everybody here that we read comments for gets a t-shirt and some swag really appreciate your comments hey keep sending them in uh you can send them to us at show at buy radios.com uh leave them in the comments uh, for each episode of the show on our blog you can also read them in our forums at twowayradioforum.com we have a separate section just for the two-way radio show so you can also leave them there if you want and of course check out our facebook page and you can tweet us on on twitter as well at um uh, Two-way radios. Number two. Number two-way radios. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, we have a question from our forum at twowayradioforum.com. And this is from Christopher, and he's uh, asking about the Balfone BF-F8+. And he wants to know, I've just recently bought this FM transceiver, but unfortunately haven't picked up any transmissions. What settings do I have to put it on, and will it pick up the local police taxis and emergency services, and will it uncrypt the encrypted transmissions in its settings? And that's from Christopher. Well, first you have to uh, know the frequency of what you want to listen to. For example, if you want to listen to uh, your local taxi service, you need to know mm-hmm. what frequency they're transmitting on and program that frequency into your radio. Now, um, several things to keep in mind when you're doing that. You've got a, a radio, so you, you're you not authorized to transmit on those frequencies, so you want to make sure that you're only sort of using the radio as a scanner. You want to, to receive only. Don't press the talk button or you could cause interference. Um, the other thing is... 
a lot of those, uh, like you're, you're asking about encrypted communications, um, your UV or your BF8 plus is not going to decrypt anything, um, anything advanced anyway, but um, you're probably also going to hear some digital transmissions mm -hmm. that it's not going to be able to unencode at all. For example, um, your police department is probably using digital radios. A lot of them are now. Yeah, so you're you're not probably going to be able to hear that. A lot of uh, systems will also be on trunked systems, which um, you're probably also not going to be able to get with that radio. Um, probably the place to start if you're looking to listen, like a scanner, is to, to figure out uh, what frequencies are in your area. I believe radioreference.com is a good site to go to for mm -hmm. that, that type of information. They can show you all the licensed frequencies in your area and the businesses that are using them or government agencies. But a, a scanner is going to work better. Like a handheld scanner like a Uniden or a Whistler is going to work better um, for what you're trying to do. Yeah, Christopher, the BFF8 Plus is really an amateur radio. It's not a radio like an FRS, GMRS radio that you can just open up and it's pre-programmed to all these different channels that you can just pick up transmissions on right away. They it you needs can use to be a scan mode, but it's going to be slow. Oh yeah, it's going to be incredibly slow. I mean, first of all, this radio needs to be programmed. You have to know the frequencies, as Danny was saying, to uh, uh, you know to really pick up anything on this radio. And you can do it through programming software. You can do it directly from the the keypad and the radio. But you really need to know what you're doing with entering these frequencies to get them in there correctly. Um, it's an analog radio, as Danny said. Also. If the local services in your area are digital, you're not going to hear anything that, that you're going to understand. Um, th those are going to be digital transmissions. Um, it does include basic scan features, and once again, as Danny said, it's pretty slow. It, it was not designed to be a scanner, per se. It's designed primarily to scan the channels that you already have frequencies programmed into. So if you have... 20 or 30 channels that are programmed with various frequencies, it's going to scan those 20, 30 channels uh, fairly quickly and fairly efficiently because you only have about 20, 30 on them, but it's still going to take a, a few seconds. Right. But if you're but trying it, to scan the entire UHF band, oh, it's going to take a Oh, I wouldn't even try that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, going to take, it's going to take a long, long time. And it wasn't intended for that. So, and, and you do run the risk also of accidentally keying up the radio on that frequency and possibly interfering on those channels and I can tell you that if if you're doing that um, they don't like that they'll come after you yeah you're you're being a nuisance if you do that <laughs> so yeah don't for sure don't transmit on a frequency that you're not authorized to transmit on the best thing to do here is if you want to listen in, get a scanner. <laughs> that's 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 the best course of action. Get a scanner. Uh, so that does it for our comments and questions this week. Send in your comments and questions for Danny Anthony or myself to show it by twowayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the two-way radio show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes. Blueberry.com, Google Podcast, or Stitcher Radio. Well, I guess that does it for our big show this time.
Uh, any yeah, final I'd, thoughts? Yeah, I'd like to thank Keith for taking the time to talk with us about the IP501H. As would I. It was a great discussion. And um, we need to do more of these. We do. Uh, we, we really do. I need to, I need to get a little bit better at my interviewing skills, I think, after uh, to listening to I mean, I always have more questions. Like, when I, when I listen back to the interview, I think, oh, I should ask him this. Oh, I should ask him this. Uh, we need to do more so that I get better at it. You know what I mean? Practice makes perfect. It does. It does. It does. Uh, well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening. And until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoya. And I'm Danny Feemster. And we're out. Oh.